The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Travelers down Thunder Road. It is us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. I am your host, your Sherpa, your piggyback down Thunder Road, Dave Ryan. And I'm joined by my ever faithful co host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I am not too bad, Dave. How are you? I, I can't complain. Um, you still haven't run out of ideas yet, no? It's, uh, not yet. Nine episodes strong, my friend. Here we go. Um, One day you're just going to introduce the show and just blank. Yeah, I will. I nearly did there. I nearly <laughs> did. But yeah, this is Days of Thunder from the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. We're glad to be back with you one more time. Um, Lee, how are you finding things? We didn't do a, a proper check-in on your, your emotions, how you're, how you're doing on, on, on Thunder Road at this point. Nine episodes deep. How you feeling? I'm wishing I took that crossroads and started watching Smackdown instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, look, it hasn't been that bad up until this episode. Yeah, there are some, there is some foreboding skies on the horizon. I think some harbingers of bad times start appearing on this show. You, you ever been on one of them back roads where it just starts to narrow? Yeah, I was on a few of them with you coming back from Belfast that time. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, one of them roads where it just starts getting a little bit narrow for your liking. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe there's a bit of grass in the middle of the road or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to feel a bit like that, especially after yeah. this episode. Yeah. But, look, we're being optimistic. I'm on to beer number two. It can't be that bad. I remember there was one time, it was possibly the most ominous thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, we were driving to Sligo. Uh, on the west coast of Ireland to visit a friend of ours and we ended up in uh, the town of Boyle, County Roscommon um, which I suppose is best known globally as Chris O'Dowd from the, the IT crowd is from Boyle I believe um, but I always equate the town of Boyle to that painting that thanks to the Simpsons I only know as Crazy Stairs um, you know the one with all the like stairs going in all the different directions yeah, I did. That's, that's related to Boyle. Well, that's how I describe it because Boyle. The thing about Boyle is that every road out of Boyle miraculously leads back to Boyle without you having to turn around. Um, even though it's quite a small town, I believe we spent the guts of about half an hour trying to figure out how to get back to Boyle. Um, we would drive out of Boyle, and then we would see a garage, um, like a forecourts for for getting like a petrol station, and then we would see a place that designed headstones and then we'd be back in Boyle 
And I'm like, okay. Well, okay, we took that road this time. Let's take this road. And then we'd end up four courts. Headstone. <laughs> boil. This happened, no word of a lie, and I have about half a dozen witnesses who will corroborate this, Lee. This happened about four more times. Hell. And, like, we were just kind of screaming as if this was, like, we had all died at some point without realizing, and this was our, our own personal circle of hell. All right, right, okay. The first person we see, we are going to ask how to get out of Boyle. Um, and that is when, as if it wasn't already ominous with the shop that sells headstones, um, the most ominous thing in the world is that the first person we did see was this young lad, I'd say all of about 14 years old, sitting on a wall in a Stoke City jersey, staring at his lighter. Oh, fuck off. Like, he had his, he had his lighter <laughs> struck, and he was just watching it. Like, oh, like, this did you ever... Yeah, it, it felt like your man, yeah, Tom sitting on the wall in the I Shot JR t-shirt. But, um, like, it's one of those things where, you know, like, something is just so slightly off that it gives you a bit of a chill. Yeah. And it just felt to us, and we had remarked about it in the car, that it kind of felt like, was the fire talking to him? Um, And I think that gave us a little bit of motivation to figure out our way out of boil without asking him. Um, So we did get out of there eventually. But anyway, WCW. Uh, <laughs> well, it's nice to know where Luke Mean Flanagan began, anyway. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's talk WCW Thunder Episode 9, coming to you from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we started off with a bit of a cold open here, a video package acknowledging Randy Macho Man Savage as the Harvard Lampoon Man of the Year. What does that mean? Well... What, what did you think of this video package for a start? I thought it was really bad. Yeah, it's like, it was... <laughs> like, really amateur. Yeah, it, I think it was trying to do a wrestler in the real world segment and put over some information about him being the man of the year without actually, like, and trying to do the the, the edgy NWO production values. Yeah, it was like there was a guy in a short and tie and like the graduation gown or something asking him about trouble in the NWO. And it was just, yeah. it was all very fucking weird and bad. And Savage is talking about leading the NWO. I mean, I don't know what the Harvard Lampoon of the Year is. Well, here's the thing, right? So, like, I googled the Harvard Lampoon because they, they refer to it as Harvard Lampoon Real Man of the Year. Okay. And I can't find anything. So like I googled it and all that comes up is Randy Macho Man Savage as Harvard Lampoon's Real Man of the Year 1998. I don't think this was a real award. But they said they gave it to other people. Bill Cosby yeah. included. Yeah. Which I'll tell you. But like I... I'd never heard of this. I haven't heard of it since. I... If there if there is anybody out there that could tell us a bit about this, I would appreciate it. Now, I know... Uh, do you know the Harvard Lampoon? No. So the Harvard Lampoon is like a, a comedy magazine that was set up there. This is where a National Lampoon came from. I was just going to say, is it where National Lampoon came from? Because that would make sense. So it started off as the Harvard Lampoon and then okay. when they when those guys kind of like got, uh, aged Lampoon. out. Yeah. Yeah, they they became National Lampoon and did the movies. There's actually a movie about well, 
I've seen it. it. I just didn't remember that that this yeah. started that hard. Uh, a few Thailand on Stupid Gesture. It's, it's yeah. an alright movie, I guess. Um but uh, yeah, so that's the, that's the Harvard Lampoon. I yeah, I I, I actually looked this up because I was like, this doesn't seem like it's on the level, especially like a real man of the year at a comedy magazine. Seems like they might be making fun of him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the results were inconclusive, sir. Yeah, that, that's really weird. Uh, anyway, yeah, he says during this kind of shoddily put together video package, he's talking about how the big Kahuna is dead. Um, he's being interviewed by like a five-year-old it, it feels like the world's kind of like quietest and high-pitched college student uh I, do you know what i i do appreciate though like even though it's a cheap video package i i love the just the the image of savage in full gear in full character with his trophy just slagging off hogan <laughs> around a fairly like austere you know, Harvard is a proper, it's an Ivy League school, you know, there's the incongruity of uh, the madness uh, and Harvard. A big giveaway was that there was maybe, what, 10 people in the the crowd? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like he was packing out a stadium to accept his award, that's for sure. And, like, Savage is doing, like, the open, well, sitting on the back of a convertible, doing, like, the ticker tape parade type thing, Mm. and there was nobody there. Uh, program starts with the three lads talking about how uh, we should stay tuned for DDP versus Raven later. Uh, pretty much the whole NWO comes out here at this point uh, for Hogan to cut a promo with EZE. I appreciated the line coming from Hulk Hogan of all people saying, well, you know, enough of the propaganda. Uh <laughs> in reference to the Savage video. Uh, and he runs down Savage in this, including a line that I was like, my word, Hulkster, where he says, all you gotta do is look at Miss Elizabeth's skinny legs to know I'm the man. Yeah, all I wrote down for that one is, I think Hogan just applied his fucking Liz. Yeah, I wrote Hulk, Ho- <laughs> I, I wrote Hulk Hogan top shagger. <laughs> Even in 1998. Yeah, um, uh, and kind of, uh, yeah, Brian Adams then cuts him off and is saying that he wants Savage, you know, if if Savage arrives and is fool enough to come out, that he wants to destroy him um, so that there's none none left for Hogan, and Hogan appreciates this gesture. And when Brian Adams is getting mic time on a show, you know it's going to be bad. Yeah, indeed. Uh, uh, did, did, did these were see... not high times. Um <laughs> Did you see there's a, a sign in the crowd that's visible for most of the show that says Hogan fears man cow? Yeah. Is this man cow in the morning? Yeah. So obviously that's, you know, the radio personality. Little did that person know that it was also a radio personality that would end up bringing down Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just funny how these one. things work, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. There we, was, there we, go on, yeah. I was just going to say Steiner again out this week. Still can't too sweet. Yeah. Look, we'll watch that progress. I believe in him. You know, I, I have such faith in White Thunder that he will get this done someday. Eventually, he'll be able to extend those digits. We'll keep an eye out for us. Two sweet watch, starting here on Days of Thunder. Uh, our first match pits Vincent, oh no, versus Goldberg. Oh yes. Uh, Vincent attempts to attack Goldberg as he's on his way into the ring. This goes poorly for Vincent as he gets immediately speared, jackhammered, uh, somehow, Lee, Lee, this is, if I was to do a ranking of jackhammers, this would be the worst one, because somehow, in this relatively simple move to take, Vincent almost twists himself inside out on the way down. I don't know how this happens. 
because Vincent. That's why. <laughs> because Vincent, yeah. Um, uh, one, I, two, three. Th- wow. This one is notable for the first time that Goldberg has faced NWO opposition. Oh, indeed. And what opposition, my friend? At least starting at the bottom. Yeah, this he, is true. He's, because he's, it, it cannot get any lower. No. <laughs> it really, really can't. Uh, our next match, because there really is nothing else to say about that that little segment there. Our next segment, speaking of fuck all to say, Prince Ayakea versus Eddie Guerrero. There was very, very little to this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was good Eddie sucks chance right at the off. Yeah. So it shows Eddie is actually over at this point. And, and Eddie's mean look again mm-hmm. on the way to ring is, is always worth uh, I, cheering about. I did like that. I think it was Marshall pointed out that Ayakea is a former TV champ. So yeah. Eddie has reason to go against Ikea. So again, mm. it it's something small, but it gives the match meaning. Yeah, they're trying. Eddie re- wins via frog splash, um, and he calls out Booker T down the camera. So furthering that storyline. Um, um, what, got- what do you think of Eddie's frog splash? Like, do you have for all the people that do a frog splash? What's your ranking? What's your top three? Oh, Jesus. Wasn't expecting that one, my friend. Um, I think because of him being so synonymous with it, it would be hard for me not to put uh, young, young Ed- Eddie Guerrero at the top. Mm. Um, you've got to, for the sake of the time we grew up in, you got to have Rob Van Dam in there. Okay. Uh, for the sake of, like, it just, for that character that is, like, that is kind of out of control and crazy and shite like that. Um, that is the perfect version of the frog splash for that character, um, I would say. And then it, it'd be hard to not think of the high fly flow, then, wouldn't you? Mm, would you? I don't know. Just in terms of like famous wrestlers who have used the move, you're no. kind of really putting me on the spot here. No love for D'Lo Brown. Oh look, I love a bit of D'Lo Brown like you read about and he would probably be like in or around there as well I would say there's probably if I were to sit down I know I, I started doing this I tried, started trying a few months ago to compile a spreadsheet of every single wrestling show I've ever been to to see what wrestlers I've seen live uh, and the results I should read out some of them are quite surprising um, I will do so on a future program uh, from that WWA show I went to alone some of the people I've seen live <laughs> are ridiculous but if I were to do it for TV matches um, and the amount of wrestling I, I kind of digested in the 99 to 2001 period. You would be hard pushed to find a wrestler I saw wrestle more over that period than like D'Lo Brown or Midian. Oh, Jesus. That's because a... if you think about it, like they'd have the odd TV match, but then as well, they were pretty much reliable to be on either metal shotgun or both. Pretty much, yeah. Um, one person that has a very underrated frog splash... Is AJ Styles? Yeah, actually, I'll give you that. He in especially in early TNA, he used to do a fucking monster of a frog splash. Yeah, I think he also teamed with Dilo for a short while as well when he did it. Um, I also think uh, one uh, Kevin Owens does a decent one. Mm, that, that's a good shout as well. Um, but I, I, I do agree. I think Eddie is the the most synonymous. Yeah, you can't you can't not think of Eddie when someone hits it. Um like um yeah, I, I really can't. Um I love that cut you off guard with that. 
Yeah, yeah. I just, I, to be honest, like top three vlogs, frog splashes is not a thing I had ever really thought of before now. <laughs> so it was more just I was thinking of people who do frog splashes off the top of my head rather than actually seriously thinking about it. But here we are. Um, next up, we have a tease for WCW Saturday Night. Uh, we've got Disco versus Lodi, uh, Malenko versus Kidman. And Scott Steiner versus Ray Trailer, the sad and sorry implosion of Team Beefy Da. I knew you'd be sad for that one. So sad, man. I wonder if uh, Ray Trailer is still in his wife beater leather pants combo <laughs> at this stage where he's not in the NWO anymore, but he hasn't quite changed his gear yet. Who knows? Taking on White Thunder, you know? Mm. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> There's a pay-per-view match in the making. Uh, next up, we have our first ever appearance on Thunder of the Nitro Girls, led by Kimberly Page. Do you, did you catch the names of the other two Thunder Girls? With that the Nitro Girls with her? Spice and... Oh, who was a Spice and... Uh, I can't Sporty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recognised Spice straight away. I remembered Spice. Yeah, I, I recognised her, but I couldn't think of the name. And I, I, it's kind of bothering me now that I can't remember who it was. <laughs> Again, when I think about it, given our relative ages, when we both watched WCW the most, I am not surprised that you have more of a memory for the Nitro Girls <laughs> names than I did. I would have been like have nine no or ten years old. About. I have no clue. Oh, do you know? No, no. Plead <laughs> I see how it is. Uh, yeah, I loved this Nitro Girls appearance because one, the crowd did not give a fuck, and two, they were they were promoting a spring break party that WCW were sponsoring. You could come and party with the Nitro Girls and Mean Gene. <laughs> Watch Mean Gene get plastered. <laughs> mean Gene, I'll tell you what. At this period of time, what a job that man has. He's going out and getting pissed with the fucking Nitro Girls every week. Absolutely stealing a living by, like, pickpocketing people with that uh, hotline bullshit. Uh, and then, yeah, going out getting smashed with Nitro Girls at spring break. Fair play to him. What a man. And probably at the, at that stage about 104 years old as well, it must be said. Um God bless me and Jean. Uh, moving on from that, we have Juventud Guerrera versus El Dandy. Um, <laughs> as this match starts, uh, Brain is just burying Mean Gene, having mentioned the last segment. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated him saying if Mean Gene combs his collar up, he looks like he has a full head of hair. <laughs> um, this is the new refocused Hoovy. The story of the match is that he lost his mask and that was a traumatic event for him. But uh, by losing the mask, he's gone back, back to basics and it's given him a new focus in his wrestling. Uh, as is typical with a Hoover 2 Guerrero match, this match was slightly awkward, but it was a decent and high energy affair, I would say. Yeah, um, I mean, it was good for re-establishing Hoovy after the big loss at Pikeview, I think. Yeah, I think um, so. I mean, reintroducing Mar- yourself. I, I, I did like uh, Marshall and Giovanni are kind of putting over that Hoovy is just refocused, re-energized kind of thing, kind of trying to look to improve after losing the mask and bounce back. And Heenan kind of, you know, shoes it all off initially until halfway through the match when Heenan's like, oh, I love this kind of refocused, re-energized Hoovy. <laughs> and he just starts repeating their points over and over and, and Giovanni's just like, ignore him. Ignore him. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so after that, Conan K-Dog is out to challenge Hoovy uh, on Nitro. Um, and this is for uh, Conan a fairly incoherent promo for the first part, but eventually he gets round to calling him out on uh, on Nitro. Which is weird because they had said that Hoovy versus Conan was happening at Uncensored first. Yeah. Apparently Conan is just impatient, or maybe he's got something on that night, washing his hair or something. <laughs> well, uh, once I don't have to see Conan wrestle, it'll be a good night. Yeah. <laughs> Your favourite. Uh, next out, we have Savage. He calls out, he calls the two idiots to which Bobby the Brain Heenan, quicker than the speed of light, says, that'll be you two, to Tony and Lee. <laughs> Uh, Savage says a half the NWO wants to stab Hogan in the back and I love this the kind of um, it's one of the few things I really liked about uh, Invasion era Stone Cold Steve Austin was that he's the bad guy at the head of the team of bad guys but the way that was like best to psych out Stone Cold was to play into his paranoia that people were trying to stab Mm -hmm. him in the back everyone's out to get him yeah, I really like crazy paranoid Stone Cold, and I like this idea that Savage is kind of trying to lay seeds that, oh, Hogan, you don't know the amount of people that are trying to stab you in the back as soon as you're not looking, try and get inside the man's head. So I like that kind of stuff. The, the whole nice to your face, but they're just waiting for you to turn around kind of thing. For sure. He says at Uncensored, he sends Hogan back to the glue factory, which is good stuff. And that once he gets, uh, once he crushes uh, Brian Adams tonight, he will give Hogan a piece of the madness. Um, then we have just a re, like ha- somewhere halfway between a replay and a video package of uh, Luger calling out Steiner. Um, so okay. So Lex Lex Luger is fighting White Lightning at the pay per view. What, reason, white I'm, thunder, you disrespectful oh, sorry, but, son of a bitch. I was thinking <laughs> of the drink, sorry. <laughs> uh, white thunder, sorry. I thought you were thinking of white lightning Mark Andrews. Oh, I could have been that. I was watching Progress today as well, so that, <laughs> that could be it as well. Um, yeah, so it's going to be Luger versus Steiner, not Steiner versus Steiner, because apparently mm. Rick won't fight his own battles. Yeah, Rick's at, he's at home. Um so then we have and this is a recurring motif right now I want you to pay attention to this because I have a funny feeling that if someone were to somehow scare up the script for this episode of Thunder I bet the following phrase appears several times on it and that is the phrase a large man appears (laughs) because our next match features White Thunder versus a large man appears (laughs) This man is Chase Tatum. That's a good name. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Looked a million bucks. This is like a, like a body and a half. This is like Vince McMahon would have some, Jesus, some some filthy dreams about having this man on his <laughs> roster, I imagine. And um, Vince falling out with your gift. Indeed, this is uh, he's a power plant product. I had to look him up, and this is I know the conceit of this show. We try to do as little context as possible, but so many large men just randomly appeared on this show that I actually had to do a bit of digging. Um, and this is his second ever televised match. He had just been on the previous episode of Saturday Night where he lost in a squash against Scott Norton, and uh, very very quickly he just got put in the new. Uh, Steiner Recliner 
uh, the camel clutch. Although, again, something that would be characteristic of uh, Scott Steiner. He doesn't really sink that Steiner recliner in as often and as deep as he probably should. No, he doesn't. Uh, yeah. He needs to, as, uh, as Stone Cold would often say, uh, lay that sucker in, kid. I'd say poor Chase hasn't had much luck against Scott, has he? No, no. <laughs> I hope they have the trifecta and he loses to Scott Hall uh, on a future episode. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it seems like he never really made a go of it. He kind of stays in this role for a while and then just disappears uh, from WCW, which is a shame. It just seems like he had he had the physique, but just never had the ability to make him a star in the business. Because again. He looked like a guy who, if he had half an ounce of talent, could have probably gone quite far. I would imagine if he had stuck around, say, another year and a half, he would have been part of the whole New Blood kind of stuff. Yeah, probably. Um, we had a recap of uh, the Giant showing up on Nitro and hitting uh, Nash with a jackknife. So the Giant is back from the grave uh, and is now that this feud is has properly reignited now with, with Kevin Nash. Um Next up, we have. Sorry, you got the important part. Do tell. The giant got fined. He did. Yes, the fines are still a thing. Uh, so yeah, he got fined. Um, and that Nash is missing thunder because he has a sore back. He does have a sore, but poor Baba. Uh, <laughs> next up, we have Kurt Henning with Rick Rude versus Jim Neidhart. To which I wrote, "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> I just have why. Why? Why the, again? Why? The, I, the idea that Kurt Hennig... This, this is the story of the match. The idea that Kurt Hennig cannot out-wrestle Jim Neidhart and must cheat to beat him is a fucking laugh. I yeah. just... Come on. Um, think about this. We're now nine episodes into Thunder. Yeah. We've seen more of Jim DeAnvil Neidhart than we have Bret Hart. Yeah, we have. Isn't that, isn't that a depressing thought? It's a depressing thought about Thunder because I'm sure, like, if we looked up Nitro results, he's probably on there more. He's just like he is a ghost on, on Thunder, and so has Flair of late. Actually, speaking of men that mm. Brett was feuding with, but um, oh, uh, actually, before we move on, in one of the shots when Henning is outside the ring, I think he's talking to Rude. Yeah, there's a guy in the background in a luminous pink top, bald. Right. This has to be the same guy that shows up on WWE pay-per-views. On Vlad? The camera. No, no, not Vlad. It's oh, the, the, guy, the big guy? Yeah, in the bright pink. And I think his wife used to always wear, I think it was bright green or something like this. Or maybe she wore pink as well. But it has to be the same guy. Because it looks the exact same. Oh, he has a, has a goatee. Pure bald, like shaved, fucking bald. The same bright pink top. It it has to be the same guy. What happened to that that generation of of super fan that weren't like annoying to the point of sadness? Like uh, him, Vlad, the straw hat guy. They turned into Brock Lesnar guy, Frank the Clown, Noel Foley, the red hat guy. Oh God! Yeah. So right here, okay. Here's my tangent of the week most annoying wrestling fan at a show you've ever been to because I'll tell you what I have a fucking doozy and I'm not allowed to say you uh, no you're not allowed to say me <laughs> as accurate as that may be uh, oh god most annoying fan without getting us into trouble uh, <laughs> <laughs> massive uh, caveat oof, oof. 
this isn't that easy. Um, hmm. I'm sure there was like a couple Shall of I? annoying fans at all the WWE shows. Yeah. But then I got older, so it wasn't that bad. Shall I give you mine then while you're thinking? <laughs> yeah, go on, you go for it. Right, so I went uh, three years ago, I went to WrestleMania in Dallas. Lucky me, got to see Triple H and Roman uh, in the main event. But we went to a couple of smaller shows that week and we've gone to uh, the NXT TakeOver that had Nakamura versus Zayn. So that, that show was worth it for the, like, the trip was worth it alone for that TakeOver. But we also went to Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor. It was the night two uh, and there was this guy and he was the most drunk man and so this is kind of like the two most annoying fans I've ever seen in my life they both were standing beside each other at this one show and it was a man who was the most drunk man I have ever seen or heard in my life who was trying to get the most loud obnoxious awful chants in the world going and it was going on all night and it was so the problem was the first couple of times he did it they were kind of funny and people laughed at them so this incredibly drunk man he thought he was brilliant um, there was a match on this show somewhere in the middle of it that was a BJ Whitmer match okay. um, and it was about, say it was about 10 minutes long and this one guy spent the entire length of the match bell to bell chanting as loud as his lungs would let him blowjob Whitmore over and over and over and every time he thought he was going to stop he got a second win and he started going again and this is the whole fucking show and this went on all night and we were really kind of like it didn't quite ruin the show on us because there was a couple of really good matches on the show it was the one with the the like the Kyle O'Reilly Adam Cole street fight and there was the the four corners uh tag match with like the briscoes the addiction the young bucks and motor city machine guns so it was a pretty good show um but yeah this guy like came as close as he possibly could to ruining it fast forward to wrestlemania sunday when uh me and uh twitter's amo version one are sitting beside each other uh in cowboy stadium and in between one of the matches all of a sudden now in in cowboy stadium one of the selling points of the stadium is that the big screens are 40 yards long i believe mm. We were looking at the screen in between the matches and whose face shows up on the fucking screen only that same guy <laughs> just staring off into the distance still completely rat arse drunk by the look of it <laughs> just vacant I was like, and then the other kind of annoying and he didn't annoy us but he annoyed one of the wrestlers uh, one of the guys standing in the crowd was the famous WWE super fan known as Red Hat Guy uh, and he was uh, getting really hard on Chris Daniels' uh, case on that show and like really like verbally abusing him, it seemed like, from where we were standing. And then uh, when the addiction got eliminated from the Four Corners match, uh, him and Kaz were walking to the back and the dude like gets up and like kind of leans over the railing right into Chris Daniels' face and Chris Daniels never missing the opportunity to, uh, you know make his feelings known and, and get a bit of heat in the process proceeded to take the man's hat pie face him with it and then spit on him <laughs> okay it was oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, got, 
got anything to try and match that? I have nothing to match that. Okay. Um, the closest would be, I think you were there for this, there was a couple of people in front of us at one of the OTT shows that, for whatever reason, decided they were going to boot a fuck out of more than hype and they just did it constantly. Yeah. And ruined the match. Yeah. Um, now we've had we've obviously had like proper abusive chanting and stuff like we've been at an OTT show where there was anti-Semitic chanting yeah uh, being thrown at David Starr and then like um, they also towards the women yeah and they also start doing like uh, like <laughs> racist chants about Mexicans to El Ligero who's <laughs> from Leeds build a wall at, at, yeah at, oh god and a guy from Leeds like like we were already appalled enough that they were chanting horrible stuff at the greatest wrestler in the world David Starr but uh, yeah, yeah they're, horrible they're, pieces of shit but like we're bad stuff like that but like yeah it, your regular old annoying is what we're we're, we're looking for here uh, please do tweet in to at WCW Thunderpod I would love to hear some of your favourite uh, or if wrestlers have actually stories. abused you that's another one yeah. Oh, and another one at the WrestleCon Super Show that year. There was a guy who uh, there was a progress title match on that WrestleCon Super Show. They did Osprey versus Girl because that match they had had that infamous the, match a couple of months before. The touring match, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they did it on the WrestleCon Super Show, and some guy in front of us who I think was an American spent the whole rest of the show trying to get this is progress chance going, like regardless of who was in the ring, and that was really fucking annoying. Oh, um, God, but anyway. Bad. Considering Americans can't say progress properly either. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, back to this fucking Kurt Hennig match. Um, at Kurt's direction, uh, Rude finds and uh, waffles Jim. Uh, Fisherman suplex, one, two, three. Rude jumps him at the bell. Bulldog makes the save. So we kind of have a reverse of last week where Bulldog is now making the save for Neidhart. Uh, my review of this match, in a word, shite. It was bad. It was saved by Rude hitting him with the 2x4. Yeah, because that was a like, I found a 2x4. He, he genuinely, genuinely looked like he pissed off Anvil because it fucking hurt. Yeah. I could see Anvil screaming at him as he was as Henning was putting him in the uh, perfect flex. Yeah, I would not be met letting that man hit me with a fucking two by four. I'll tell you that much. Because if there's one person you probably didn't need to tell to lay it in, it was Rick fucking Rude. Indeed. <laughs> um, Mike Tanay uh, taking a knee to interview Raven in the corner. <laughs> And this is so I said on on the last episode is like I like when Raven keeps it brief. Uh, he did not keep it that brief here, and did some of his more kind of cringy, whiny stuff. I'm gonna read you. I I stopped this to write the direct quote because this is very your son has been listened to too much My Chemical Romance sort of line. Uh, so he said, "I have yearned for release from the labyrinth of my past." The because by the way, this is so he was asked about his past with Paige was it uh, basically Paige and uh, Raven were both mentored by Jake the Snake Roberts at different yeah. times so yeah so he's asked about their past together and his the answer directly past, to yeah. your your shared past I have yearned for the release from the labyrinth of my past the walls are bitter memories and the corridors what was it the corridors are pain or something like that okay and then Yes, I can shed some light on the past. That's, yeah. It's and very... then it continues on as something to the effect of, this will be my vindic tonight will be my vindication, and Paige's Waterloo. I, uh, yeah, Sounds I like didn't care been, for this. Sounds like he's been reading too much Emily Dickinson. 
yeah or Poe or you know with his quote the raven shit um so i the one thing i did like about this is my favorite back and forth on the whole show possibly today asking him will you defend if like if he wins the title tonight will you defend the belt at uncensored and he goes absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> again what a heel yeah yeah <laughs> i don't want to be a fighting champion like ddp what an idiot <laughs> yeah at this point god bless him chris jericho attempts to save the show single-handedly Oh, I knew you were going to love this. This is a pre-taped segment with Chris Jericho thanking the fans, tell, uh, talking about how much they love him, all the while intercut with footage of fans booing the shite out of him. <laughs> I, I still love the, the bit from Saul there where he's just screaming at them, you don't boo me! <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is right. So there are two ways you can read the Jericho character at this point and either of them are fantastic either he is so fucking deluded that he thinks he is this conquering hero or he knows exactly what he's doing <laughs> you know and either way it's fabulous I loved this yeah no this was perfect for the uh, Jericho character yeah um, and it made it made perfect sense that he would he would think this like, yep. that he would think that the fans absolutely adore him yeah. And he is their uh, role model, I believe he calls himself. And Paragon of Virtue. Mm-hmm. Um, up next, we have Jericho versus Cyclope. And speaking of Jericho iconic moments, we have the lead being buried for an upcoming iconic Jericho moment. Mm-hmm. As, he, thing, yeah. as he talks about Dean Malenko being the man of a thousand holes and saying that he has looked into it and he has 1,004 holes. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, is it still probably like it's got to be that or his debut on Raw for the most iconic Jericho promo of all time oh it's it's yeah it's up there with the with the debut for sure um, yeah. also don't forget I, I also loved his uh, pre SummerSlam uh, 2001 promo where he said at SummerSlam I'm gonna, where he was it was Rhino wasn't it take out that horrible dirty trash bag Blah, 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 blah. Fil- dirty, fel- filthy, sweaty, stinky animal. I don't know. Get you too, Rhino. Yeah, yeah. Also, him and uh, him and The Rock just steamrolling over Booker T and Shane around that time as well. Mm-hmm. There was a, uh, there was also another one. There was one on uh, SmackDown. I think it was early two thousand about yeah. uh, Benoit. It could have been early two thousand one actually, um, where he does the whole Benoit as a jackass, Benoit as. Them on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that was another one. Be Chris Benoit with a goat. Yeah. <laughs> the, mo- uh, the, only, the only thing like that, that makes that embarrassing is years later when he tries to basically recreate that magic with the Me Want title match. Oh, it, God. Yeah, when he had come back to save us all in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, um, also, I don't know if you know this or if you have any memory of this. When Dean Malenko down the line he goes away for a little bit yeah when he returns it's in a cruiserweight battle royal yeah but it's not as Dean Malenko oh no sorry I thought you were referring to the battle royal where Dean Malenko got eliminated and just didn't give a fuck <laughs> was that no. his last night in the company no no uh, it could be I can't remember I think it was around the time he was just done and he accidentally got eliminated I remember that um, but go on anyway yeah basically the the Jericho Malenko feud goes on for a couple of months this is something I remember vividly and the Malenko will return at a pay-per-view in a cruiserweight battle royal 
but he's not dressed as Malenko. He is actually under the Seaclo play mask. Huh. That's interesting. I like that little tidbit. So that's this is Cicope is better known as Halloween. The guy the, uh, in in Mexico, the guy who generally is under the mask. So not only is it the the beginning of the one thousand and four holes, it's also a nice little kind of a beginning to the end, shall we say? Like a nice little what's what's the word? Full circle, kind of full circle moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sorry, it's late, and you know, I'm, I'm losing words as we go on. Indeed, you just power through, buddy. That's what you got to do with some of these shows. Um, so one thing that I really love about Jericho's character at this point, and this is something that I suppose we can, we can talk for a while about Jericho while we're here. It is, it is now, and has been my opinion probably what solidified it was a 2008 run, but he may not get the the like the, he wasn't the superstar level of a Steve Austin or a Hulk Hogan but I think it is very hard to argue against the case of Chris Jericho as an all-time elite North American wrestler as a as a whole package um yeah be- I mean I wouldn't argue that I mean you take his career in totality uh, the man's he, body of work is unbelievable he's had one of the best careers in the last I mean I think you could say like the last forty years. I mean, yeah, you could put his career up against anybody else's. Yeah, like if he hadn't come back in two thousand eight, it would be definitely more up for discussion. If he had mm-hmm. stayed away, um, he would have been kind of one for the the kind of the he would have been a wrestler's wrestler or a hardcore fan's wrestler mm-hmm. uh, but I think that post 2008 period really solidified it and the amount of times kind of in his uh, latter day runs with the Fed uh, with WWE where like they gave him shit and he turned it into gold like the run with Kevin Owens they, they, they had no right to be as good as it was no that, that shouldn't have got over at all and the like the 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 friendship celebration mm-hmm. is uh, like an all time great raw segment and like the man is just there was uh, I was only thinking about this because obviously he main evented double or nothing um uh, Pollock John Pollock and Wei Ting on post wrestling were talking about Jericho and kind of similar this case for him as an all timer in North America and um, talking about how unlike most guys of his generation or in around his age anyway he is keenly aware now there are some mortifying your da stuff like his shite tattoos or this stupid spinning elbow finisher but you know to be fair I remember thinking the code breaker looked like a stupid piece of shit when he started doing it um, and that worked for him in the end. So Lord knows this elbow may pan out for him. He's been right so many times before. I shouldn't doubt him now. But anyway, they were kind of saying that, look, he, you know, you compare him to like a Triple H. Uh, Jericho is more self-aware than most people about his own limitations now. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going out like, say, Triple H at a WrestleMania and trying to have a 40-minute match. Like he, a subtle little thing, like he's not dressed like Chris Jericho from 10 years ago. No, he's not dressed like Chris Jericho from five years ago. Exactly. You know, like, like even the thing at the uh, the entrance at Double or Nothing, I yeah. loved that because it was like, right, here's the Chris Jericho. A lot of you know, it's like yeah. Lionheart Chris Jericho. I'm not him. Yeah. Uh, Y2J Chris Jericho. I'm not him. Lister yeah. Jericho. I'm not even that guy. Yeah. And that this was a really like, that was a really nice moment for him as well. I think because he's a guy who had said and like. Uh, Pollock and Ting said this as well where like um, 
he never got his big WrestleMania entrance because whenever he was in the main event of WrestleMania, he was a heel. Yeah. Uh, so he never got his big cool special mania entrance so it was really nice that he kind of got that in, in Double or Nothing but anyway um, Jericho's character at this stage in 1998 I really love because a lot of people do the two dimensional version of this which is just the chicken shit heel uh, and there is a lot of him like you know there's the, the deluded part of him you know talking about the fans and stuff like that and there is a lot of elements of him being a chicken shit heel because when guys like Seeker Player or something like that come out he looks visibly afraid of them but the thing is when the bell rings and he actually starts to wrestle he is like put over huge as one of the best wrestlers on the roster and wins a lot of matches clean like he's not just a chicken shit heel who's trying to look for shortcuts all the time you know he's a smart uh, heel who is like a brilliant wrestler in his own right and no one really doubts that yeah you know? for, for like all the character stuff like over the past few months he's kind of mowed through the cru- cruiserweight division yeah like it's almost like quietly but like he's like already said, this is third reign as cruiserweight champion yeah like the commentators have like they quietly put him over every time yeah. it's like yeah he he is a fucking chicken shit heel but he is damn good and what's scary is he almost doesn't seem to know it himself and that's yeah. kind of like that is kind of the Jericho character um, so yeah quick match uh, wins with a lion tamer again uh, such a protected finish in WCW for a guy that in the grand scheme of things they didn't do a whole hell of a lot with um, the lion tamer was a very protected finish uh, out comes Malenko puts him in the cloverleaf uh, and he screams in terror um, moving on we have Scott Norton versus a large man appears <laughs> this time it's renegade did you not recognise him not at first and this was uh, the remaining large men on the show either do not get identified or it takes them entirely too long to identify them and that was the case of Renegade here um, this match lasts fuck all time but the one observation I made of it Renegade's punches are shite yeah poor, poor Renegade never got good uh, Giant he, he, he looked great but he never never actually got, got good yeah. at the actual wrestling thing you know uh, Giant ran out almost immediately. Power bombs Norton, choke slams Renegade. Um, the best part is so security are pretty much out like a flash once Giant is out there laying out the guys. And Doug Dillinger, head of WCW security, looks so fucking sick of life here. <laughs> this is a guy who's like, can we just stop fining people or having them get arrested on shows so I can stay at catering? Why do we have to arrest somebody when they do a wrestling move? Yeah. Uh, as he's being arrested, and it's cool because they're kind of playing off the time where he got arrested and broke the handcuffs. So this time he's literally put in chains and uh, Brain compares it to King Kong being chained down, which is cool. Um, but he's he's kind of shouting down the barrel of the camera, calling out Nash, saying that, you know, I'm here, show up. Um, so that, that, that was cool. That got over the giant a bit more. I think, like even though he's been away and possibly dead for the last month, I think Giant, while his wrestling wasn't there in 1998, his understanding of himself as the character, mm-hmm. I think, was pretty good. Yep. Um, then we have uh, Raven versus DDP. Raven's rules, and Paige wants to top this by saying, now it's Paige's rules, there's no ref, which confused the crowd, the announcers... Us and the ref. 
it was almost like nobody was informed of this. Yeah, because the ref kind of fucks off, but kind of doesn't. He and the commentators lingers. are like, this is a match. Like, we kind of need the referee. There needs to be a finish. Which is funny, like, the idea that people in WCW would be preoccupied about, oh, we need a finish, uh, is quite funny to me. Um, so they brawl uh, outside the ring, up to the stage. Benoit is out fighting uh, both of them ahead of what they're describing as the Triple Jeopardy match at Uncensored. Uh, they keep fighting, gets into the ring. Uh, it's kind of a cool brawl, like, because it feels like a culmination of a story they've been telling pretty much since we started on Thunder between the three of these guys, until a third large man appears. <laughs> but did you know, do you know who this was? So, I didn't know at first. Did you look it up? I looked up what his name is in the flock. So, his name in the flock is Reese. He also often went by Big Ron Studd. But Lee, listeners at home might know him best as... Ooh, Diete? (laughs) Diete! You're damn right. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if he was the Yeti or one of the other rather large characters. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. As soon as he appeared, I knew it was Reese because again, I remember the flock vividly from around this time. Mm. Um, At first, I was like, "Jesus, it's a couple of years early for the wall yet." <laughs> At least you didn't have Hogan screaming, "That's the wall, brother!" One of my all-time favorite wrestling moments. <laughs> from um, forty foot away. Damn right. Um, so yeah, the Yete is there. Uh, the flock is out. Raven hits the even flow on Page. Saturn puts Benoit in the rings. Uh, Van Hammer, I think it was, brings in the rail, yeah. the guardrail. And this was a cool spot uh, where Raven lays both of them out with an even flow on the guardrail, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty cool. Pretty good visual, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we have the main event: Savage versus Brian Adams, and a main event indeed. <laughs> Uh, Liz confirms on the microphone that Macho is a real man uh, and then Savage to follow up on the jibes from earlier in the night says to Hogan uh, if you want to know who the real man is ask your wife yeah this is just getting weird yeah and you know it's kind of it's even weirder in context of have you watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode with Savage and Liz yet no I haven't actually and the kind of like yeah you should watch it it's really good um but like the whole liz and linda actually being like ridiculously good friends um Mm -hmm. and the stuff about you know um we've all heard about it like savage and his kind of jealousy and possession of liz wasn't as much a work as we would all hope it was yeah no Um, i know know the whole thing of like linda was the person that like take liz in whenever yeah bad yeah, um, worthwhile. It's a it's a grim documentary, but it's it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, and Linda is actually interviewed in it, oh, okay. uh, which was surprising to me. Um, anyway, uh, this incenses Hogan. A brawl breaks out. Uh, this might be apart from that very gentle choke slam. Hogan's first bump on Thunder. Do you know what? It probably is his most the most involved he's been in anything. Yeah. Fair play to him. There's a man who knew how to uh, maximise his earnings for the least amount of effort. And I wouldn't mind, like, it, it's basically a two-on-one. And yet, Savage kind of controls the whole lot of it. Like, he just... Yeah. It's surprising how much Hogan kind of bumps around for him. Yeah, how much he gives him. Mm. Um, We also have possibly, like, look, we've talked about it on the show before. 
I love Stagger Lee Marshall. However, his worst ever line on commentary happens right around here. Um, and it's bad because he thinks it's brilliant. Where he said, we're going to find out who is the kahuna and who is the kahunot. I didn't even hear that. I was appalled. That is awful. Uh, Savage gets the strap, the weight belt, uh, starts whipping the lads with it. Uh, Liz interferes to help and nearly gets decked by Hogan in the process. When all of a sudden, a fourth large man appears. Well, large. Uh, relative concept, I guess. Uh, unidentified, this one. Um, did you catch who it was, Lee? Oh, I know who it was. Tell the tell the fans. It was Brother Brutai. It was indeed the, Brother Brutai. The Butcher. Brutai. The, butcher the, Zodiac. the Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else was he going by? Oh, Jesus. Okay, the Booty Man. The Booty Man, yeah. <laughs> he is the Disciple, Brother. Oh, good. And he grief. did Disco Inferno's finish. Yeah, he did. Uh, so, yeah, this fourth man comes out... Um, the, the, the there's a cool shot in the middle of this when there's the NWO beatdown, uh, where the camera is kind of tilted at a jaunty angle as Hogan is leaning through the ropes, taunting into the camera, saying that basically his NWOites will kill for him. Uh, I thought that was a cool little shot, mm-hmm. uh, and then Sting, uh, our, is our first sight in a Sting since the pay per view on Thunder, uh, comes out to clear house, and that is the end of your program. Yeah, uh, it kind of. A strange way to end the show. It's a strange show. Um, this one, I really didn't like it. I kind of, I enjoyed the talking about it with you and cracking jokes about it a lot more than I enjoyed the show. I text you, um, as you were the, about halfway through episode nine, and were it not for the fact that it was on the night we were originally supposed to record, and I couldn't stop, I would have stopped because I said to you like episode nine is a real fucking slog, and and it was. It was a really mm. tough episode, like tougher than all the rest of them um, put together. Like I said, there was nothing really any good on the show until Jericho showed up and Jericho wasn't there for long. Yeah, no, there, there really wasn't much redeeming to the show and it it's the first really bad episode I think that we've encountered. Yeah. And what's, first, ominous, like, what's ominous to me is that Aaron Furious said, wait until you get to around week 10. Yeah. This is yeah. This is the point that we'd been told about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it appears we're about to reach our first of what might be many tipping points uh, that we're not going to enjoy. So you know, you'll have to stay tuned for that. Uh, <laughs> I believe in two weeks our next episode is the go home for uncensored. Only three episodes of Thunder in between pay per views, um, if my counting is correct. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. Um, so it really feels like they have the matches on the board I feel like most of the legwork on those matches was done on last week's episode um, so I'd be hoping probably naively for a strong go home show um, although I will say last month for Super Bowl we didn't really have a great go home show and that turned into a great pay per view and we have heard that throughout 1998 there is that where like the TV is taking a real downward dip in terms of quality but the pay-per-views by and large at least the undercard of them are still fantastic so i'm really hoping that that is still the case because fuck we're going to need those things to look forward to um i I think the pay-per-views is what's going to get us through 98 yeah it's when we get into 99 that oh it's in free fall (laughs) yeah it's when that should be the point where we just start taking the piss out of everything (laughs) yeah oh yeah because we're treating it dead fucking seriously so far mate (laughs) 
right. I, I'm totally invested in Jim D'Anville Neuhart backing up his brother-in-law. I don't even think immediate members of his family were invested in that, with the exception of, of Davy Boy himself. Uh, give me your winners and losers for episode nine of Thunder. I, I don't know. Like last week was kind of difficult, but I mean this show is so bad. I, I don't know. Like Chris Jericho may be the winner. I, I don't know. He's the only one that comes out of any yeah. credit. I think he might be the only one that comes out better than he went in. Um, and I think my big losers were I think it was the first proper disappointing performance from Lee Marshall on commentary um, and in addition to that I will say that uh, large men one through four are also my losers <laughs> poor Chase Taylor I know right um, yeah that, that's going to do it for another episode of Days of Thunder uh, thanks for tuning in we appreciate all the feedback all the comments we've been getting so far really enjoying our new home here at ProWrestlingOnly.com um, at WCW Thunderpod is where to grab us to keep the conversation going or in our little forum thread in the it's like the podcast uh, f- section of the forum there on ProWrestlingOnly.com you know, pro just you know have a look around there you'll find us um, it's in the, oh yeah publications and podcasts subfolder on the forum there um, you can continue the conversation with uh, us on there or as I said at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter individually I'm at the date Dave and Lee is at Malone underscore 713 we shall see you all in two weeks with the go home show for Uncensored but until then take a breather crack a beer relax we survived another one guys well done congratulations all around <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks for episode 10 of Days of Thunder I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside